Hey everyone, welcome back to Fringe and Flourish. I'm your host, Laura McGruder, and today I'm joined by Courtney Bowman, and we're going to talk about women taking themselves seriously as business owners. So welcome, Courtney. You are the owner of Raleigh Cheesy. So tell me a little bit about what Raleigh Cheesy is and how it came about. Yeah. So we're a custom cheese and charcuterie board company. Um, and we make cheese and charcuterie boards for people, boxes, grazing tables, and then also teach classes about how to make them for yourself. And I say we, it's just me. (laughs) I feel like there's a collective we that I take on like as a business, but it's just me right now. (laughs) Oh, I I do it too. And all my emails, I'm like, yeah, we, you know, this, that, and the other. And it's really just me. (laughs) Yeah. So I... Yep discovered you on Instagram. You had started this, uh, this posting all these bachelor things. And I was like, cheese board and posting bachelors. I have a lot of like (laughs) single, you know, female (laughs) friends. And every time I have a client in my chair that's single, I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to follow Raleigh Cheesy. Like she's (laughs) so awesome. And she's so, you know, and, and I, when I first messaged you on Instagram, one of the things that I was drawn to you for was how open and honest you were on your stories. You know, there's so many companies that post these pretty images of cheese boards, but you do something really special where you share not just the really awesome things that are going on, but you also share when you're struggling. And I think that just made me love you even more. Thank you. I really appreciate that. That means a lot. Yeah, you just you don't see it. You don't see people share the struggles and share the the sad or or happy or crying moments. Like I I saw you were posting about the um the storefront that's opening soon. Yes. We're open yeah, we're on our way. We're getting there. Very close. <laughs> yes, it's so exciting. So I I'm just seeing your growth has has been phenomenal. So I just love it. I love everything that you do. Um, so I know when we talked previously, we talked a little bit about our own struggles and especially the ones that you've had because you only started Raleigh Cheesy, what, like a a year ago, year and a half ago? Yeah, Yeah, almost exactly a year ago. It was October 1st of last year. And now you have like, what, 16,000 Instagram followers? Yeah, like 13, but we're pretty close. Yeah, you'll be at 16 probably before the end of the year. So that would be a goal. That would be a great goal. But yeah, it's been, it was just all way faster than I ever anticipated. Like this was always just going to be a side hustle. And then it took off just so much faster than I ever thought. Yeah. And that kind of presents its own um, set of issues, if you will. (laughs) I know when I opened the salon, I had like 75 clients and I never imagined what was going to happen in the next 18 months. And I, I grew so rapidly, but it definitely came with, you know, its own growing pains and um, different challenges that I never really expected. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was for sure. Like, um, so when we originally got started, um, like literally the day I created the brand, the day I created the Instagram, I started just by posting literally every picture I had and putting it out into the world and just being like, Hey, I can't find anybody in Raleigh who does this. So I'm just going to see if people in Raleigh want it. And it like blew up and orders started coming in offline. Raleigh Durham was like, Hey, we're going to feature you in our email blast that goes out to like 40,000 people. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. They were like, send us a menu. I was like, oh, yeah, a menu. Uh, oh, yeah, a website. Oh, yeah, uh, I don't have any more content to post. Like, that was the thing, too, is I had literally posted every picture I had of a cheese board. And I was like, oh, oh no, I have only made four. And um, 
what what else do I post? Like people are still wanting content, you know? And so I called a friend and I was like, hey, we need to get like a photo shoot right now. <laughs> and that's when you start like cropping and zooming on the pictures you already have. <laughs> Yes. Rotate. (laughs) Posting the videos I had taken of the exact same board, you know, like, so it was, it was all just very, very fast. And, um, I'm extremely grateful for that, but there was a lot, like I was, I was a little bit in over my head at the beginning. That's for sure. And still probably am in some ways, but. (laughs) So one of the challenges that you expressed to me was, One, probably you taking yourself seriously, but also specifically women being taken seriously in small businesses. And I know for me, like as a hairstylist, people still don't take me seriously that that's what I do for a full-time job. Right. Right. And even like some people in my family, they're like, oh, so like that's what you're doing for now. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah it's, it's my full-time career. Like, this is a career for me. This isn't just like a shit, shits and giggles thing. Right. This isn't just for fun. This is actually like my livelihood. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I taught middle school for seven years. I was a teacher. And I think for a long period of that time, I wasn't asked to be in leadership roles, but I also didn't like put myself out there to be in leadership roles. But I was, I I don't know. There was something about it where I was seeing people around me, like get asked to be on certain, what are they called? Like memberships or certain um, teams to be in charge of things. And I just never, I don't know. I, I wanted to, but at the same time, it didn't seem like people were coming to me asking me to do it. So I kept trying to put myself in those shoes and like in those positions, but nothing ever happened. It was like nobody trusted me to do it. You know, it, I felt like I kept exerting myself into these places and nothing would ever happen, right? So I'd like volunteer to lead something, at, like a, a group or a meeting, and nothing would ever continue happening with it. And it was frustrating because I felt like I had leadership potential. I felt like I, in other areas of my life, I could lead things, um, but just not professionally. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and so... I realized too, after seven years of that, I had really lowered my expectations for myself, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I had really lowered it down to being like, well, I'm just always going, which there's nothing wrong with being a teacher. Um, But I was like, this is, this is how my career is going to progress. And I'm always going to be a middle school teacher. I'm never going to move up in my career in any way. And then Raleigh Cheesy happened and I was like, okay, this has the potential to be an actual business, like not just a side hustle, but an actual business. How do I change my perception of myself Yes, to run my business like it's the real deal? You know what I mean? And still maintain my integrity of being myself, but also what decisions do I need to make as a business owner to put myself in serious conversations like people on Shark Tank? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. And to me, it sounds like you were really almost selling yourself short when you were teaching, like you had kind of just settled into, okay, well, I've seen evidence that I'm not going to be in a leadership role. So I'm just going to resign myself to doing this just regular teaching instead. Um, Right. So I think it's awesome that you took that step because being a small business owner definitely pushes you outside of your comfort zone and you really do have to to lean into that and lean into the opportunities and I mean for lack of a better phrase like put your big girl panties on. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, so it was like okay, how do I like let's do all the le- like let's legitimize, you know. Um, let's start making smart business decisions. Let's actually think about what it would look like to scale this. Let's hustle it hard. Let's, you know, work on 
being a unique brand, had lots of conversational meetings with my husband, who's really great at strategizing business plans. And he was like, okay, what's the mission? What's the vision? Like, and constantly reminding me of that. And I was like, the number one thing is that I want people, I always want to be vulnerable, right? I always want to still be myself and I want to find this nuance between being vulnerable and still being a badass business owner. Yeah. You know what I mean? And still being a quote unquote girl boss and still like creating a cheese empire. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah. But at the same time, still being tender and still being soft and still being okay with being an emotional person. And I think a lot of times, especially as women, our emotions are considered a downfall and are considered a weakness and it makes us not trustworthy. And so I think maybe in a lot of ways, like my emotions were looked by my male superiors as a weakness. And I'm very much (laughs) against that. Like it's not, Having emotions is not a bad thing. It doesn't, it also doesn't mean that you are like explosive either. You know, I think I feel things very deeply, but it also doesn't hinder my ability to make good decisions. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think there's a fine line between uh, like using your emotions as a powerful tool and letting your emotions drive you. Absolutely. You know, and and I think, you know, we talked about the reason that I, I was so attracted to you is because you are willing to share those things loudly, openly on social media to 13,000 Instagram followers. And that's something that I know I have struggled with uh, behind the chair is I had worked for businesses that told me to, well, don't share so much of your personal life. Don't share yeah. this. Don't share that. And then I realized when I opened my salon that, no, wait a second. When I'm vulnerable with my other female clients, when I share with them, hey, I'm sorry I'm not wearing any makeup today. I had a really rough morning, so my eyes are a little puffy. Yep. It's almost like a different level of respect and trust that is formed because they're like, oh, wait, she's human too. Right. And even growing up, like, I was taught, you know, uh, crying doesn't solve anything. Um, You know, you just got to get through it and don't let them see you cry. Don't let them see you upset. But I think it somehow taught me that uh, vulnerability is is a weakness. Mm -hmm. Um, Being emotional is a weakness. When in fact, at 29 years old, I'm learning that, there's actually strength in vulnerability. And so being able to incorporate that into your brand and being authentic makes it feel like everything you're doing is in alignment with your heart and your soul. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So a big part of just in law, along with the like, how do you manage a professional life with having those vulnerable moments. And I think we've seen so much of that lately coming from other people. And there, there's something beautiful about people who give them behind the scenes and let you in on like what's actually going on and our ability to acknowledge people as completely human. Right. And give a little bit more grace to mistakes. You know what I mean? But at the same time, there's this fear of it too. Like, I don't know if you saw about Chrissy Teigen and like, yeah, how they had lost their baby and she posted about it. And she, I would say like 50% of the people gave her really strong backlash about how she should have kept that grieving private and like that infuriates me so much because I'm like do you have any idea what freedom she is bringing to people by letting people into that journey like women who suffer from miscarriages alone 
are now feeling known in this moment because she's letting them into this like very hard moment of her life. And I don't know. I know there is, there is beauty about keeping things private, but there's also, I feel like should be some acknowledgement of like being publicly vulnerable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's not easy to, to share that kind of stuff openly. Um, But I think it's important to share. Like I am an open book. I am more than happy to talk about my experiences, my mental health, my medication journey, whatever it is, because every time I do share, someone goes, oh, wow, I had no idea, but I've been experiencing the same thing. And your willingness to share and be open has really helped me. Right, exactly. And I think especially right now in the pandemic, loneliness seems like a bigger threat than COVID sometimes. Yeah. You know, and while we're all somewhat isolated, like, yes, we do need to take this pandemic seriously. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying the mental health aspect of it too has been so dangerous for all of us because we all think we're so alone. Right. And I think the more we let others in and the more we let people into our journey, like, and realize, Hey, you've been feeling super depressed during this pandemic. Great. So have I. (laughs) Yeah. We all all know exactly what that feels like right now. Like I was just talking to somebody who I hadn't talked to in a few years and she was like, I'm at my lowest I've ever been. Like I, I am living at home. I lost my job. Like I'm, she was not doing well. And I was like, you need to know though that so many people feel exactly what you're feeling. And so many people are dealing with this. So many people are grieving and mourning loss of loved ones, having to lose their businesses, losing their jobs, like not knowing how they're going to support their families. Like we are in one of the most difficult seasons of our lives. And if we don't, if we aren't vulnerable about it, we're going to like keep feeling alone. Yeah, and if if you don't open up and share your struggles or your whatever you're going through, how can people truly support you? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Which, at the end of the day, is the whole reason that I created this podcast because I truly wanted to create this sense of community for, for people to see the behind the scenes and the work and the emotion that it goes in that goes into running a small business or having a non-traditional job role because you know like we said like people don't take it seriously or right. you know they think you know having one of these jobs is like a the easy way out you know what i mean or right. um you know oh you just do you just make cheese boards cool that must be so easy <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, aren't you living the dream? And like, yes, in a way I am, but also I'm like so exhausted and like it is so hard maintaining work-life balance right now with a husband that works third shift and he and I like barely see each other and it's so sad and it has felt so lonely in this season and we're figuring it out, you know, we're having to just completely basically revamp our entire marriage because it's operating in a totally different way than it's ever operated before. Right. And we're having to make new rules and new boundaries and like, okay, we have to have date night at some point. And that might be (laughs) at nine in the morning after we drop our daughter off at preschool. Like sometimes that's what date night looks like. And yeah. And we really have to, put our phones away in the one hour a day that we're together, you know, and would I call that living the dream right now? You know, maybe not, but like, we also know it's a season and we know that this is right now in this moment, the sacrifice we're having to make to see this business, to see his career flourish, like, and it's not always going to be like this, you know, but yeah. Yeah. And and it evolves and it grows and, you know, that dynamic will shift. And, you know, I I think Tom, my fiance and I have gone through many different shifts around our careers. Um, In the last like three years we've been together, you know, he's a 
full-time touring musician and considering his career is currently non-existent, um, we've just had to like shift and do different things and um, find ways to make things work. And I think a lot of people uh, look in from the outside and be like, oh, he's a rock star. You're a hairstylist. You guys must must have, you know, the perfect (laughs) marriage, the perfect life, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, hold up. And what world are you living in actually? (laughs) Right. And so I'm always happy to talk about what we're going through or what we're struggling. I mean, I, I told her this morning, like straight up, it's a, it's a rough Monday. <laughs> like yeah. I'm dealing with the, with our rescue pup. And, and so, but I think it is really important to talk about those things because they aren't talked about enough. Same with the Chrissy Teigen thing and the, the stigma around talking about your struggles or, um, you know, miscarriages or mental health um, or anything that, any challenges that present themselves as you start to grow and develop as a business. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely agree. So tell me a little bit about another step in vulnerability you took with, um, you crowdfunded for, to open your storefront. Yeah, we did. Which that is like, I mean, truly the most honest job on the face of this planet is <laughs> outright asking for money. Yeah, well, that's very true. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. Absolutely. There's nothing more honest than saying, hey, I need your support. Can you give me, can you donate or can you support me financially? Right. That takes a lot of vulnerability and strength. <laughs> it did. And it, it was a big pride check every morning, you know, waking up during those 30 days of crowdfunding and being like, okay, put, put my pride aside here for a second, because here's the reality of it. You know, very few businesses get off the ground without some sort of investor or some sort of, you know, big seed of money. Right. right? And as a millennial with (laughs) student debt (laughs) and (laughs) we, we just didn't have this big, like, oh yeah, we have just, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in cash in the bank and it's not a big deal. Like that's, that's not the reality as I'm sure it is not the reality for many people. Right. So we've hustled it hard, but it also got to the point where it's like, we cannot grow any further. We cannot, we're getting to the point where we can't accept some of the orders that are coming in, which kills me. I want to be able to accept every order coming in. Right. And it was like, we cannot even sustain the growth we're having. We need a space. Like it's not, it's not like, Oh, let's just continue. Like we need a space. You sound so much like me. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and I have clients ask me all the time and my friends like, why haven't you opened a bigger salon? And I'm like, with what money? <laughs> right, right. And they're like, oh, well, can't you just apply for a business loan? I'm like, <laughs> I'm self-employed. I yeah. had three months of unemployment because of the pandemic. Uh, I bought a house three years ago. My fiance is a touring musician, so he hasn't had consistent, stable income on paper for three years. Like, who the hell is going to hand me $100,000? Right. 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 Without, you know, even an investor, it's like, I I better be a damn good salesperson yep. to convince someone to give me this money. And then, oh, I'm going to owe them for years to come. Right. So, yeah. I and I hadn't even ever thought about crowdfunding for a, a business like, you know, yours or mine. And so when we, when you mentioned that to me, I was like, wow, that's huge. Like, that's awesome. And it's yeah. awesome that people were like, they saw you and they saw your potential and they saw your vision and you were able to share that with the world and then they wanted to support you. Right, right, absolutely. Man, it's very humbling to like think about just the people who gave it like always. I I still, I think I wake up just completely blown away that it even happened, but um Again, it was another one of those things of watching so much Shark Tank and listening <laughs> to so much um, of NPR's podcast. How I, uh, how I, what? Why am I how blanking I did on this? this or something? Um, 
how I started it. Or wow, I listen to this all the time, but why am I blanking on the name? Someone There's literally some- just sent it to me about um, one of the kombucha I brands. Oh my gosh, it's how I built this. Yes, okay. how I built this. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Okay. So the podcast, how I built this, I listen to almost every single episode. Right. I'm like cranking through them. Um, Chicken salad chick is one of my absolute favorite podcast that they have on there like the interview they did and I so I just like identified with the whole thing like she was just making it happen and people were like you really gonna build a business off of chicken salad she was like people have built businesses off of pizza I don't see why this is different and I was like I love you look we Um, stand chicken salad chick in our household it is so good I didn't eat meat for like seven years and (gasps) Wow. I'm, I'm gluten-free. I have been for yeah. years. So I remember I was on a road trip coming back from Florida and they have um, egg salad, I think, and some other uh-huh. like vegetarian items. And I remember stopping there somewhere random in Georgia. And I was like, wow, this is the best idea ever. And then I started eating meat again in January of this year and we took a road trip to Florida again. We're big like Disney Universal people. And we stopped at Chicken Salad Chick on the way back. And my fiance is like, I don't even like chicken salad, but like, this is so good. Yes. You best believe we were there on opening day when the one opened in Cary. Oh, it is so good. I still need to go to the one in Cary. It's not that far from my house. And I'm like... Definitely, definitely need to go. And I tell um, people, they're like, a restaurant that only sells chicken salad? I'm like, yeah, and it's amazing. <laughs> but you need to understand, it's so good. Yeah, so I was, and I kept seeing though too, like especially watching Shark Tank, seeing these men, seeing these male entrepreneurs walk into Shark Tank with an idea, right? They only have a prototype. And they're asking them all their funding questions, you know, how much money went into it, how much of your own money, how much, you know, and then they, the guys would say without any hesitation, like it was always the male entrepreneurs that would say this, but they were like, oh yeah, we crowdsourced and raised $50,000 or whatever. And they would just throw it in like it was no big deal. And very rarely would you hear the women say it. And it made me mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, why are we, like, and the guys are like, we have a new doorknob, you know, like we have a comic book. I don't know. If you go to Kickstarter, you would be shocked at how many projects are fully funded that are like comic books. Okay. And have been given like over a million dollars. Like it's insane. So I'm like, you know, we start looking for a space. We find a great realtor. We, I mean, I mean, we didn't buy. Um, we found a great broker. We found a great landlord. And we have this meeting, you know, where we're sitting down and we're talking about what the build out is going to cost, right? And they give this big number. And I'm like, they're like, <laughs> okay, you, you would pay half of that. And I was like, they were like, you know, we'll give an allowance and we'll pay half and you'll pay half. And I, I had brought a cheese plate. I love telling this story. Um, so, yeah, the total build out was going to be like $80,000 or something. And they said, yeah, you'll pay 40 and we'll pay 40. And I was like, that's not an option for us. You know, like we're going to have to walk, um, but we could do 25. And they were like eating the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, we really want you here. <laughs> so we'll add another 15K to it. Just know that this is a $15,000 cheese board you just served us. And oh we'll get a 25 for you. And I was like, great. Like, and I have never been more proud in that moment of like not doubting what I was worth and letting them know like, hey, this is what we can do you know, and believing, okay, I think we can crowdsource at least 20. Like, I know what we have in the bank as well. Like loans are not happening for small businesses right now that have been open less than a year in the pandemic and are in the food industry. Like that's not going to happen. You know, we've tried, no one is lending money. Everyone is very cautious. So we have to crowdsource, right? Um, 
So, you know, and Kickstarter is a little intimidating where it's not like you get whatever is raised. It's you either make your goal or you don't. So no one's cards are charged or anything until your goal has been met and the final date has passed, right? So we could have raised 19000 of the twenty k that we had put our goal at and we wouldn't have gotten a penny, right? Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that is what makes it a little bit more terrifying too. But it also gives people, it seems to give people a little bit more incentive. Like they want their $5 to be met. You know, they want to give their five bucks or, you know, some people, I tried to make good rewards too, that it would be fun. So like putting t-shirts and, you know, custom cheese boards and stuff and, people want to receive these rewards and they know that the only way to do that is if the goal is met. So they're more likely to tell people about it, you know, like, Hey, even if you just give five bucks and then every name that was put in, I did a drawing to win an actual like cheese board from me. Um, so it's like, even if you donated two bucks, it didn't matter. Like your name went into the hat and you could win a $125 cheese board. So there was that, like, I, I want to make it worth people's time, but at the same time, I'm doing this and I'm like, here, here's the ultimate goal besides raising the money. Raising the money is the goal. But if the community is not behind this, there is no point in opening this store, right? If the community does not want it, if there is absolutely no desire for a cheese board shop, like, we will not have business once we are open and therefore like we should just shut the whole thing down now. So it was really like the ultimate test. Right. It was the ultimate test of validity for this business plan. It was like, Hey, how much do people actually love cheese? How much do people love the brand? How much do people love what we do and think it's a necessity in our community? And if they don't, they're not going to support it. They're not going to financially support it. They won't promote it or talk about it. And we just need to shut the whole thing down, you know, and I need to be okay with that. That was really where I was at. Like people either have to love it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All in or bust. We cannot have mediocrity here. We cannot have people just feeling neutral about Rally Cheesy. You know what I mean? Like people either need to love Rally Cheesy or they need to like have nothing to say about it and we just shut it down. So that was the biggest thing I came away with. Like not only just being so incredibly grateful that the community showed up, but also really showing me like, Hey, they want this. Like they're as invested in this as you are, you know, and that meant the world. And it still means the world, like seeing how much support we've been given by the Raleigh community. It's like nothing I've ever seen. Like it, especially during this season of life and during the pandemic, it's like, it's very overwhelming. (laughs) Well, it's not even like people just love you. It's like, we, we stand you. Like, (laughs) I'm like, okay, what's, what's Courtney's stories look like this morning? Like, (laughs) (laughs) yes. Uh, Well, that's very, that's so sweet. Somebody yesterday, it was so funny. Somebody showed up at the, date night thing or the speed dating night the other night and they were like I feel like I'm meeting a celebrity I was like I just want to lol that entire thing like you one no and um my family will keep me very humble about that and tell me what a weirdo I am (laughs) they're like no that's not (laughs) they're like stop Courtney you're not famous get off I'm like you're right I'm not famous thank you I really need that reality check (laughs) Uh, you should have heard me talking about the podcast. I was like, oh, I'm interviewing Raleigh Cheesy on Monday. <laughs> that's like so laughable to me still. <laughs> that's just, it, hey, if I was going to be famous for anything though, it was going to be cheese. You know, yeah. it was going to be cheese and meat plates for sure. <laughs> so did you ever worry about like negative backlash for doing the crowd, like the crowdsourcing crowdfunding? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And even so, I think it's more of, I still deal with what are people thinking that they haven't said, 
more so like that is in my head more than like the hateful DMs, right? Like I I can take a trolley DM <laughs> and laugh <laughs> at it and be like, wow, Karen, like you had no time, but like, you had so much time on your hands today to send me this hateful DM. Um, but I think where I get to myself mentally is like, what are people thinking that they haven't DM'd me? You know, are, is it circulating that like, how pathetic is she that she has to crowdsource and all this stuff? And that was really where I had to shift the mindset of like, if I was a man on Shark Tank, crowdsourcing would not even be a question to me, you know, and really take myself in those shoes and be like, no, the only reason I'm insecure about it is because I'm a woman right now, honestly, like, and that is dumb. And I need to stop thinking that way and pave the way for other women entrepreneurs to do stuff like this. So I'm not going to go there, you know, Um, because men do this all the time and have no issue with doing it. And no one calls them pathetic and no one says they're needy and whatever. Like, so I'm going to do it too because they've done it and entrepreneurs around the whole world do this all the time. And so I need to treat myself that way. But yeah, there was one, I like got some backlash from, I don't know if you saw Peppergate, but I had like, posted a free tip Friday that like people shouldn't put bell peppers on their boards and was like kind of joking but kind of not I just don't like bell peppers and I think (laughs) they smell the entire board up I think they're a little awkward to eat because they're so chunky yeah and I you know I was I was just being silly about it right and saying like don't put peppers on your boards it makes them look cheap you know like don't do it um And for me, that's just one of my rules, okay? It's not the Bible, all right? We are not, like, I am not the word, and I am not the truth, okay? But that's just my opinion. And (laughs) I got, I've never gotten so much hate for saying something in my life. Um, Like, all these people started damning me who, like, are other cheese board companies saying that I was, like, insulting other cheese board companies who did that. And I was like, I'm... I'm really not like they can do whatever they want. I don't, I don't care. I just try to give advice to people who are making their own like at home and that's my advice. And so I had a follower of another cheese board company tell me I was being pathetic. I was being a bully and how like pathetic it is that I say this kind of stuff right after I've been begging people for money. Oh my God. And I wanted to die inside. Cause I was like, they were like, I can't believe you're insulting other women businesses just after you were begging people to give you money. And I was like, wow. Wow. Like that, that one hurt, but I was like, okay, they're a troll. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing. At the end of the day, or what is it that at least they're talking about you or whatever, you know, it's like, yeah, even if they were talking about you in maybe not the best light, they're still talking about your business. Yeah. They're still, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because even, yeah. let's say they like, we're, we're going to repost something of yours and be like, oh, I can't believe she's doing this and tag you. I guarantee there was a few people that saw that, that went and followed you and actually like what you do. Yeah, that's probably true. I could see that. I And I've heard that before. People are like, hey, any talk is talk, like good or bad. Is, and I'm like, oh man, but there's still the people pleaser in me. Like, <laughs> no, they must only be talking good about me. <laughs> <laughs> I get it in theory, but mentally I'm like not there yet. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. So I was just basically like, Hey, by the way, was not begging people for money. People crowdsource all the time. Like it's, it should not be a big deal and we need to normalize it. And also like, I'm not insulting other female business owners, but then I like made a pepper post and had to go on an apology tour about it. And no, (laughs) You know, you know, it it is what it is. It it was fine. 
and it ultimately ended up being fine. The majority of my followers were like, why are people mad? What is going on? Like, why are you having to apologize for this? And I was like, listen, the cheese word people in the world are cutthroat and I need to <laughs> them. Like, it, you know, if you have them against you, it is not good. So... That is so funny. I I think maybe I like caught on to the tail end of all of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. It was it was wild. That's a great way to put it. Wild is a fantastic. But when word. you do open yourself up to the world and you start posting your, you know, maybe opinions or feelings or emotions or whatever you're going through, you do open yourself up to that kind of stuff, unfortunately. Absolutely. It's also part of just managing like Okay, I do not have to answer every DM. <laughs> right. Like, for a long time, I was answering every DM, and then it got to a place where I was like, okay, I can't answer every DM. I, I can't anymore, and I can't give every DM time in my head and in my heart. Like, I, you know, some, are, some DMs are mentally taxing, and... <laughs> I need to just delete them, right? And not think about them and let them sit in my inbox, you know? Because <laughs> um, I will. Yeah. But, yeah. So I've learned to delete hateful ones and just move on. And I mean, it's really just creating boundaries for yourself. Right. Absolutely. So l- let's talk about some other challenges you've had, um, kind of piggybacking off the storefront. So... We talked about earlier about how you had this crazy rapid growth. You know, you and your husband are trying to kind of find this new normal with the two of you. So what's been your biggest stretch with with growing so quickly and opening a storefront? That's a great question. I think um, giving myself the grace to say no to orders um, right now because I know I would be like at my breaking point, if that makes sense. Um, so there are a lot of times lately where I get like last minute orders that I'm not able to accommodate right now. Um, but I very much have, <laughs> before I answer them, I very much have this moment of argument with myself of like, can you do it? Can you do it, Courtney? Like, come on. Just <laughs> and like, maybe we can move some things around and maybe you can do it and all this stuff. Maybe you can't just one more board, you know, like just squeeze one more order in. It'll be fine. And realizing now, I I think for a few months I was just like, accept every order and realizing now, like I really do have to put a limit on some things and realizing I would be not making the boards as good as I could make them. Um, so like decreasing my quality for quantity, which I don't like. Um, and also my mental health, I feel myself like my heart rate start rising. If I feel, yeah. <laughs> if I, if I feel like I'm stressed on time or if I feel like I have not given myself enough time to make a certain amount of boards and then I start rushing through them and then I forget dietary requests or, you know, I overcommit. Oh my gosh, I don't have enough ingredients. Like I have to run to the store, you know. Um, and so really giving myself the grace to say no. <laughs> Just um, and be like, I'm so sorry. I have 20 boards already booked that day. I can't make another three. And like be okay with that, which is very difficult for me. <laughs> yeah, because you're, I mean, at the end of the day, like we want to make people happy. Right. Absolutely. And I want everybody to get a chance to taste, you know, and some, I think what's hard is some people get upset about it. You know, some people are like, man, I keep trying and you're, you're booked continually. And I'm like, I know, and I'm sorry, please order more than 24 hours in advance. You know, (laughs) I am patiently waiting, waiting for the right moment where I really need it. Like where I can set aside like a weekend for just me and I'm going to get a damn big cheese board. I'm going to sit at home and eat it by myself. And I can't. You should. I cannot wait. My best friend and I have kind of like gone back and watched stories and uh, tried to make our little salami, salami rivers. Yes. Um, And we did it and it was like pretty good. But I was like, I know 
what she could do is a hundred times better than what we're trying to do. <laughs> that is hilarious. But, you should come into one of my classes sometime. Yes, I, I know. know. I, I get to I get to do one and I get to have it coordinate with my schedule a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully you'll have some employees soon. I know. We are gonna start we'll be starting the interview process. So we have narrowed down to like nine candidates now and um we'll be doing interviews like first week in November. So we're getting there. I'm like, that's all I need is other people making these besides me. But there's also that terrifying thing about it too, where I'm like, oh gosh, I have to like trust someone else to do this. Yeah, letting go of control. <laughs> and like, you know, not micro, I hate micromanagers. So I need to like be able to empower them, but also know that they're producing the same quality that I would like. And, you know, well, and I think if you like really create like a training outline going into it and you train them both physically and mindset wise and to tap into the creative energy that makes you Raleigh cheesy, I right. think it'll, it's, it'll be smooth sailing. I mean, there's going to be a few bumps in the road, but it's going to be great. Right. And I'm anticipating too, I'm like, I already have a plan that like one of our training days, whenever we hire these people, I'm literally just going to be setting out ingredients and being like, okay, here are the requests, make a board, you know, and like coming through and critiquing them as they do it. Because there is this level of, I don't want it to be formulaic for every order of like, okay, the cheddar goes in this position, but you know. I want them to have a little bit of creative freedom to make their own, but at the same time, have it look like I would have made it. Um, almost like a cake, you know? Yeah, like, there is some creative creative freedom. I think like no two boards of yours are exactly the same. Right, which I love. Yeah. I love that. People don't love that, but I love it. That's how I want it to be. But I think, you know, when you have a storefront, you could have like a set standard cheese board pickup, no options, you get what you get kind of thing. Right. And then you could still have room for like, you know, maybe a higher price point for you to custom create boards kind of thing. Right. That's very true. Man, I tell you what, that grazing table that you did at our wedding venue. Oh my gosh, it was so pretty. I haven't stopped thinking about it. It was honestly so much fun like it was I'd never felt rushed the whole time like the weather was beautiful so I wasn't worried about that like it ended up just it was a very peaceful process and I think that really showed like in the artistry of it like you can tell it was not rushed like it was ended up being just the way I wanted it to look I just want you to like uh someone to like wheelbarrow me down it like <laughs> With my mouth open. <laughs> we, we can make that happen. <laughs> we can make that happen. We didn't we plan can... on a cheese board at our wedding um, or like a grazing table, but <laughs> now you got me really thinking about it. Yep, but after seeing that, I know, I know. It'll have to be after um, COVID just, you know, because oh, right. Right. I'm weird about the people touching thing. Yep, yep. Yeah, this was a smaller one. Everybody had their own utensils, like their own uh, set of tongs. Oh, nice. I had to touch the board with, like no one could use their hands. Um, obviously, I did not stay around to be a policeman about it. Um, like I left after we set it up. So who knows if people followed those rules? I really hope they did. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I mean, ultimately that's on them. Right. Yeah, it's not your responsibility. Right. But I love it. It's just been so cool to like watch you grow and do all these really awesome things and, and openly share with everyone kind of the process of it. So I'm just really grateful for who you are in the Raleigh community, especially. Thank you. Thanks. I, I've felt very welcomed and embraced in our community for sure. You have a lot of people cheering you on. <laughs> That's really humbling and fun to hear too. <laughs> All right. So we'll go ahead and wrap things up. But if there's anything you feel very passionate about sharing with our listeners about, um, you know, being true to yourself and taking yourself seriously, what would it be? 
Yeah, I think it's just giving yourself the authority to take control of your life and to pursue the things you want to pursue without excuses and not trying to be like Rachel Hollis and (laughs) go for your dreams, just do it. Like, but if you want something and if you have a dream to do it, like there should be nothing standing in your way from doing it. And I think for a long time, I just was waiting for the right time and the right exact right circumstances and Yes, like things kind of did fall into place, but it took that jump of quitting my job to make it a reality, you know? So I think it's taking yourself seriously and acknowledging that you have the ability to make your dreams a reality. Yeah, and do it and be authentic to yourself. and Right. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see the storefront and I can't wait to eat all the cheese and... Me too, girl. I am so excited about it. So if uh, people want to follow your journey, how can they find you? Yeah, we're just at Raleigh Cheesy. Like really cheesy, but Raleigh Cheesy. And Wow, I just got that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a pun. <laughs> um, yeah, so Raleigh Cheesy. And then RaleighCheesy.com or Raleigh Cheesy on Facebook. If you just Google Raleigh Cheesy, it should be the first thing that pops up. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Courtney, thank you for joining me today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I'm just, I will definitely have to keep in touch and uh, have to do a follow-up podcast in a few months after the storefront opens. For sure. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to Fringe and Flourish. Uh, Make sure you check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. Follow, like, review, share. Um, You can find us on Instagram, Fringe and Flourish Podcast. And we will talk to you next Monday.